It's time to make the dough rise, the financial podcast with Brian Doe. Well, hey there. Welcome to another edition of Make the Dough Rise. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Brian Doe, certified financial planner, living worth wealth advisors in the Lake Country and beyond. Find him in Greensboro, Georgia, if you want to see him in person, but online always at livingworth.com. Brian, welcome back from vacay. How you doing? Mm, vacations are great. Let me just say that. And you had an active vacation. This was not a sitting on the beach kind of trip, right? Well, it was supposed to be a sitting on the beach, but we changed our, our travel plans because of all the COVID confusion. We just didn't want to get caught with something weird happening. So we stayed domestic and we went out west. We went to southern Utah, one of my favorite places. And we had big ambitions to bike and hike and Jeep and go and do. And we got settled in and I, I think we did several days of just resting, relaxing. And we did a little biking, hiking uh, type of stuff around, but a couple of big active things. We did a uh, hike of Angels Landing in Zion National Park, and we did a helicopter trip to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. So Ooh, those were the that's kind cool. of epic moments. You don't think of taking a helicopter trip and going down somewhere, but that's how big the Grand Canyon is, right? <laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, it's a lot easier than what I've seen of people hiking it down and back up. Or ri riding the donkeys or whatever it is that right, you right. do down there as well. That is awesome. Um, and uh, Brian sent me a YouTube link to what it's like to do that hike that they did. And just like so you have a good concept of what that hike is like, they've got like handrails, like chain throughout the entire hike so that you can have something to hold on to. So it's, it's legitimate. It was interesting because normally I'm not scared of heights and I'm pretty adventurous climbing on stuff. And you zigzag up the mountain on some you know fairly wide sidewalky kind of trails you know doing a lot of the 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 vertical movement then when you get towards the top yeah it's a narrow rock walkway with a you know very heavy you know anchored chain to hang on to and when you look at the videos it's um you know it looks very walkable and doable and it is if it was ground height but the mistake i made was as i looked off to the right and there's a 1500 foot drop off and I was trying to take pictures instead of just focusing on one foot in front of the other. It got a little squirrely for me, but I put the camera away, focused on on the uh, the hike, and then did my picture taking up top. But it, if you, we should put a link to this YouTube video in here if, if people want to uh, check it out because I, I do have some clients that have done the hike, make that made the hike, love Zion. Uh, if you're ever looking for a great place to go, I highly recommend it. And there are, there are other hikes, plenty of other hikes besides this one, if you're looking for something less treacherous. It's done. We will link to it in the show notes. So check the description if you want to see some uh, some video and pictures of what that hike was like, because, hey, maybe it's something that you might want to go do in the future. Very cool. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your vacation with us, Brian. And I know you're going to actually share a little bit more of it as we go through the show today and draw mm -hmm. some parallels from your hike to and, and just your, your vacation out there to uh, what we're going to be talking about on today's show, which folks may have seen in the title, uh, something along the lines of mistakes and account titling. And, you know, why would this become a whole episode, I think, is the big question, because it seems like these mistakes would be so simple. How could anybody make them? What's the big deal with them? Shouldn't we be focusing more on the numbers and the other stuff that comes uh, along with financial and retirement planning and that kind of thing? But I think once we're done with today's episode, people understand just why this is such an important topic. Well, one of the things, too, is that, and I think we neglected to mention the reason for the vacation was my 20-year anniversary. So great mile marker, great- Not good uh, that that's an afterthought, Brian. Come on now. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> chance to gain some brownie points here. But, but 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 my point is, is you know, twenty years goes by, and you're uh, you look back and you think, my gosh, you know, how how many life circumstances have changed, laws and rules that have changed, you know, people in your life change, and and I've been doing this long enough now that you know, obviously, you want to do proper planning, have good returns and numbers, and 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 it's all about achieving the, the retirement goals, like we've we've talked about in the past. But it's amazing how as things change, if you don't pay attention to the details and prepare for, you know, the negative things that are eventually going to happen uh, in life, and then ultimately the transfer of your wealth to surviving spouses, to heirs, children, charities, and organizations that you may want to give to, there are a lot of details that people don't know or don't understand or they have misconceptions about. And I've been having a lot of conversations lately about these topics. And so I thought I thought it'd be good to to do a lap through that today. Well, let's dive in a little bit to it then, Brian. Um, and this is also not just born out of uh, kind of your you know reminiscing over how things change over the course of twenty years, but you've actually seen people boots on the ground in your office over the last couple of months. Uh, people falling well, I won't say falling victim to these mistakes because they're coming in to meet with you, but maybe about to fall victim to these mistakes um, if they you know weren't aware of the issues and that sort of thing. No, it's really nice to, you know, when, when something, it's not nice when something bad happens, but it's nice when something bad happens and people come in and we're like, this is in order. This was done properly. Here, this transition is going to go smooth because of this. And and so one of the real payoffs of working with a, a good advisor is, again, not so much in the great returns or picking the right investments, but but it's the day that you're not there, that you're going to need the continuity, somebody that knows and understands the lay of the land, where are all the parts and pieces, uh, because you know when a surviving spouse is going through grief and all of the commotion of, of of somebody passing, it really is helpful to have somebody come in and say, "Hey, take the time, relax, be with your family, you know, deal with what you need to deal with, and we'll come tidy all this up later." There's plenty of money here to get you through this time period. This is all in order, so it's um, it is a comforting uh, moment in in what would otherwise be a, a tragic event. Well, take us through some of the uh, some of the biggest mistakes that you've seen, and and just why and how we can avoid these things, and what kind of consequences we're navigating around too. Sure. So j- just to give you a lay of the land, we're going to talk about account titling, beneficiary designations, powers of attorney, and health directives. Don't tune out yet. Because I know that's a, a, sounds like a deadly boring list, but these are some very simple things that you can do. You're trying to balance simplicity and continuity with you know, how much control you want to have over your assets and how much tax uh, planning that you want to uh, implement. And so there's a lot of uh, misconceptions about that. But here, here are the questions to ask. If, if that word salad were a cereal, it would probably just be called like rice squares or something like that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> to be the, the most bland, boring, uh, you know, un- unedible. But you're going to you're going to you... Lucky Charms it for us, right? We're going to turn this into Lucky Charms. Right, there you right. go. Good, good. So uh, the obvious questions are, who do you want to get the money? Do you want them to have outright access to it or do you want to have controls over there over it because they they may need help you may not want too much money going to a you know 19 or 20 year old directly probate is a, a word that gets tossed around and i see a lot of people running seminars scaring people about probate and estate taxes and the reality is is it may not be as complicated an issue as some people believe or you could be you know led to believe 
and it's, it really just comes down to asking some simple questions about what are the estate tax laws? Well, right now it's, you know, it, it's over $5 million per person before you run into estate taxes. 20 years ago, that was not true. It was, it was 675000 So the need for more complex estate planning has been reduced. And you know, I live in Georgia. It's an easy probate state. There's not a, it's not expensive. It's not particularly time-consuming normally. We did have an issue because of COVID and some of the backlogs there. It took more time in this environment than, than it, it might normally otherwise. But on the other hand, if you're in a complex state like California, who wants their clause in you, you know, every chance they get, you better put everything that you own into a either a revocable trust or some type of asset that passes outside of the probate system. And if you own property in multiple states, you know, you, you want to make sure you're looking at, you're, you're dealing with multi-state probate. So you, you may have property in one state that's easy and property in another state that's not. So we'll, we'll talk a little, little bit about that and how to you know, potentially avoid that and whether you do or not, do or do not need to go the route of trust. But let's, let's start by dividing, and this is oversimplifying a bit, Walter, but let's start by dividing your assets into two categories. One is non-IRAs or and non-insurance assets. Okay, so IRAs, life insurance policies, unused long-term care policies that have death benefits, those all go by beneficiary designation. So all of your checking, savings, brokerage, houses, property, cars, uh, you know, all, all the way up and down the line, anything that has uh, any kind of transfer certification to it, in particular value to it. And I'm not, not talking about, you know, furniture and rugs and things like that. Like that. Those, those are, those are uh, just part of your estate and can be handled by the will. But if you take your brokerage account, your checking account, your savings account, you have a number of ways to title that account that then have implications for how it transfers. Well, single titling is pretty straightforward. A lot of people like to have, I, I know that at my household, the money I earn is our money, but Laura's money is Laura's money. And so we have a joint checking account, but she has a single <laughs> checking and savings account uh, somehow that I, I don't seem to have access to. Well, if you look at that, a joint tenant's account does give you some continuity and 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 there's two ways to uh, divide this up. The single account obviously becomes the single person, you know, that, that, that single individual's account and, and at death would have to be probated and transferred to the uh, rightful owner outlined in your will. But if you do a joint tenants with right of survivorship, and sometimes you see that at JTWROS, it's a, it's a big old acronym on the, on the account titling page. That adds a lot of continuity at a time when you know, you're checking, savings, credit cards, things like that. You, you don't want those to be shut down or frozen because of a, a, a death or passing of, of, of a spouse or individual. So if you do joint tenants with right of survivorship, you avoid probate. That just transfers automatically to the survivor. And you could do this with a, a spouse or a non-spouse. There, there could be some gift tax issues there, obviously. But um, again, unless it's more than about $5 million, it's nothing. There's nothing really there to stop you from using this strategy for you know more significant amounts of money. But uh, for your obvious checking accounts, uh, main brokerage account, 
j- just the things that you're using to function and pay bills and uh, have operating cash, I-, I highly recommend that joint tenants with right of survivorship. And why that has become more usable is because the uh, under the old limits, you know, when when we had to pay uh, estate taxes over balances of, of six hundred seventy five thousand, people divided their assets so that they could set up these trusts so that they could capture the six hundred seventy five thousand for each spouse, right? Well, you used to use joint tenants in common. Okay, so a little little into the weeds here, but this this one little designation, joint tenants in common versus joint tenants with right of survivorship can make a huge difference in continuity, simplicity, and and the ability to transfer assets. A lot of people, because they used to use joint tenants in common, and now these estate tax limits have risen up, up above the $5 million mark, it's creating more complexity at the uh, probate level than is necessary. So what I'm doing is going back and and making sure that everybody that had joint tenants in common for a le- good legitimate reason 10 and, and 15 years ago, getting those updated to uh, joint tenants with right of survivorship. So that's 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 one real uh, straightforward way to do it. So saving saving money, but also saving a lot of headaches and time. Right. Yeah. And, and this particular uh, strategy, I would highly recommend for like a surviving spouse. It's obvious that it's you know it's both of your money and and there's less likelihood of things getting shut down, frozen, dividends being paid out, all that kind of stuff. So did have a couple of issues through COVID uh, again because of the backlogs. Probate took a little bit longer than than normal in some uh, you know more you know, big city areas. I don't expect that to continue to be a problem, but something to watch out for. The other option, and this is a really nice one, if you're, if you're talking about transfer of assets to non-spouses, the IRAs and life insurance that I mentioned earlier, those all go by beneficiary designations, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But for your brokerage accounts and your checking accounts and savings accounts, there is a new titling option called Transfer on Death, or TOD uh, is the acronym. And this one's really nice because Normally, those brokerage accounts, savings accounts, uh, those types of assets had to be probated. Well, now you you have the ability to put an account titling on there that allows that account to function a lot like the IRA where there's a, a beneficiary designation transfer that avoids probate. So if you are looking at, you know, you could do a joint account for the surviving spouse, but then have that transfer on death titling. Well, now you can name the kids or grandkids or any any division of that account you can use with with the, the TOD or transfer on death titling. This is a great way to simplify estate planning for those that have, you know, maybe maybe you've got less than a million dollars or or heck, even you know, less than five million dollars. That number could change at any time. But if you want your money to just go directly to adult children that are responsible and you, you don't have a need for a complex will, setting up trust, maybe the bulk of your assets are in retirement accounts like IRAs or, or the like, and those are all going to go by beneficiary designation, then this is a great way to just simply take the brokerage account, check an account, put transfer on death titling on top of those. And it's a very inexpensive way 
to handle the you know transfer will probate process uh, to get those assets you know directly to who you want them to go to and um, you know avoid a lot of complication and it's it's important too to go back and realize you can do this type of titling on your houses on your cars you know make, make sure you carry it all the way through uh, and not just do it on one brokerage account and, and because I I title most or I custody most assets with Charles Schwab it's easy for me to to see and make sure these things are are done but it's sometimes leaving people to get that done on their checking savings cars houses make sure you got somebody holding your feet to the fire or or you actually follow through on doing those things cuz it's super easy to neglect uh, but when it when you need it it's very important to have it done correctly let everybody take a breath all of those different acronyms uh flying around there especially with the uh J-W-S-T-O-R-B-L-C-D ones, um, you know, that, that, that can be a lot to absorb. But the idea is that you don't have to walk away from here knowing all of these acronyms, but just knowing that sometimes this these minor little tweaks can save you a lot of headache and uh, also be much more efficient for your plan. And this is just like where we're getting into some of the details, some of these details that matter. And we're not even having to talk about well, what kind of return are you getting on your investments or what kind of investments and these kinds mm-hmm. of things. We're just talking a lot today about just structure and, and the baskets that your money's in and the vehicles and some of the nuances behind the scenes there can make a big difference in the long run. And, and these are things that sometimes people don't put a whole lot of thought into, right? Or they think they have. And they'll say, "Oh no, no, no! I'm I'm fine. I've got my wills all in order. My attorney did this, and and that that's great." But then I say, "Do you realize that your IRA, your 401k, your SEP account, your profit sharing plan, possibly your deferred comp plan, doesn't matter what your will says, those all pass by beneficiary designation?" Huh? You know what? What, what do you mean? Well, when you signed up for those accounts, when you opened those accounts, there was probably a beneficiary designation form. You probably did the I love you version of estate planning and named your your spouse as the beneficiary and did, didn't give it much thought about contingent beneficiaries and subsequent beneficiaries and, and the different layers because down the road, if things change, you know, there's you know, one spouse has passed and you don't, the, the person you've named is deceased. That's not good. Maybe you've had a divorce and you've got an ex-spouse named as your beneficiary on a retirement account or a, an insurance policy. And if you've remarried, it's not going to matter that w- what it says on that beneficiary designation form is who the money's uh, going to. So you can end up with a, a lot of bad beneficiaries or not having enough layers of beneficiaries because the, these assets do pass outside of the the will and the probate system. So step number one is obviously eliminating bad beneficiaries. I mean, we talked about ex-spouses, uh, a deceased person. The rules for distributing IRA assets used to be based on life expectancy. They've changed it to a 10-year rule now. But a person who is deceased, what is the life expectancy of that person? It's zero. Uh, zero. <laughs> Boom. Out comes all your money. And now income tax, not estate tax, but income tax, can play a big factor in that. And then uh, some people named trusts, maybe a spouse is the primary beneficiary and then a trust as the contingent beneficiary. And then they've done up a trust with all the language of, of who they want it to go to. Well, if that trust was done a long time ago, 
or was not done properly, what is the life expectancy of a trust? It's a trick question for you here, Walter. That is a trick question. Uh, 100%? Is it, yeah, is it eternity or is it, they're not alive, right? So they can't die. I, I suppose you could put a, a provision for them to end in there, but the IRS views them as not alive and therefore they have a life expectancy of zero. And boom, lump sum distribution. That was a bigger problem when the rules were changed in the early 2000s. They've made provisions in trust so that you can maintain the stretch provisions. But if it's not worded correctly, it could be you know, a trap that you're about to fall into and and, and may trigger a bigger uh, tax than than desired. So what, what what happens with this, you know, the, the new 10 year rule and all that stuff? We're, we're about to go through a whole nother uh, level of rules around naming trusts as beneficiaries of IRAs. It is possible to put uh, a trust in place, have controls in place. Uh, if you have a special needs or a spendthrift situation and you want to make sure that the money is protected for a, a surviving child, you want to have that wrapper around there where the IRA would distribute into a trust and then you, know, you can have additional controls over there. So all these things are possible, but unless you sit down and have a good conversation about who's getting the money, when, if this happens, it's a lot of what if, you know, what if this person goes first? What if that person goes first? What if, you know, the kids are this age when they get it versus that age? One child is able to receive the money outright. This one needs like a, a income, like some protection where they'll get a, a lifetime income stream. And, and it's not a fun conversation. And it, a lot of times it's not an easy conversation. But if, if you don't have somebody directing you and, and guiding you through some of these topics, and just making sure you at least address it, do the things that you need to do, spend a little time updating uh, documents, you know, you know, particularly um, the statutory language around healthcare powers of attorney and things like that have, have changed and been simplified. And it's just good to have this all, all updated and, and fresh. Helpful info, Brian. So we've been walking through some of the non-IRA and non-insurance pieces. And then there's the other side of the coin of the IRA and insurance pieces. And so you've got to treat these things differently, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, if you want to name people or if you want to name charities and organizations, there are rules around all of that as you know, if you want to name dollar amounts or percentages, you've got to be careful because that, that can actually change or impact the rest of your distribution. So make sure you're dealing with somebody that knows what they're doing. I won't, I won't bore you with all the details here. I think we've, you know, kind of probably out, outstripped everybody's capacity to, to put all this here together today, but it's a bit of a Rubik's cube. You want, you want to make sure, uh, you know, what's the context of what you're trying to accomplish? What type of accounts do you have? How are they going to move? And then what tools do you have to, to make that happen? And, and let, let me just throw in here too, that the power of attorney is the other one. This isn't necessarily a type of account titling, and it's not a beneficiary designation, but if you're incapacitated or if you need continuity and control, uh, who you name as your power of attorney can be very important. And there's two ways that you can go about doing this. You can do a very light version of the power of attorney. And at Charles Schwab, I can name a person that has the powers of attorney over a specific account. And this is really good for IRAs because 
if you're hospitalized or, or incapacitated in any way, this gives your spouse the ability to continue to, to transact business on your accounts, even though they're not necessarily transferring yet. And you can do this at the individual account level with most of the, the custodians and banks out there. The other version is the durable power of attorney. And this is the one that you should do with your will, your healthcare directives, and then durable power of attorney. And this is one that would have to be activated. Somebody's going to have to go down to the probate and say, so-and-so is incapacitated. I, I'm going to be serving as power of attorney. And then that gives you a that person a full you know power of attorney over all of your financial affairs and that's important to have and uh less likely to be needed until you know a really extreme situation occurs but the lighter version where you know a spouse can can keep activity going uh while somebody's hospitalized or uh if they're for any any reason not able to to transact business on the account Put it at least put it on the account level, and that simplifies things for viewing, access, transferring money, and all those things. Uh, the durable power of attorney, bigger, more complex. Be very careful about who you name, and 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 make sure they're they know they're named, and are willing to to serve in that role because it's it, it it can be a lot of work. So, but account titling on your primary assets beneficiary designations on your retirement account assets, and then powers of attorney and trust and how all those interface. So suffice it to say, it's a complex enough topic that you you need to spend some time talking about it. It's not obvious and glowing like, you know, returns and it's not being flashed on the, you know, the ticker across the, the screen every day of what's, what's happening with probate rules, but do a lap around it because it can really make a difference when the time comes and you need assets to transfer and make things simple for your, your, your surviving spouse and family. Great points all around, Brian. And yep, if you need some help walking through this kind of conversation, that's something that Brian does every day with folks in addition to helping with all the other stuff that we talk about on this podcast, the, the financials, the numbers, uh, the theories, all of those kinds of things. He's also keeping his eye on this simple stuff, this stuff that's still very, very important, even though it seems like just the first baby steps that you're taking when it comes to putting together a financial plan and uh, getting your financial life in order. But it's supremely important. So if you need some help with that, uh, give a call today and you can have a free 15-minute introductory call with Brian. Just today's conversation, just an example of some of the things that will be discussed and covered. See if you can get some clarity around the different financial goals that you have so you can live the retirement lifestyle that you want. And get help for the loved ones in your life and get them to do the same. Uh, if you want to get in more information, again, you can call by going to 706-451-9800. Again, call 706-451-9800. Or you can go to livingworth.com, which we'll link to that in the show notes of today's program, livingworth.com, and schedule your time to visit right there from your smartphone or computer. Brian, appreciate the help. Glad you're back from vacation and uh, looking forward to another good episode with you next time. Sounds great. We'll line one up and I'll look forward to talking to you next time. Fantastic. We'll have another great episode on the docket next time around right here on Make the Dough Rise. Until then, everybody take care and thanks for listening. Make the Dough Rise is brought to you by Living Worth Wealth Advisors with a central office in Greensboro, Georgia, but serving the Lake Country and beyond. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting apps. 
Subscribe today and never miss an episode. Just search for Make the Dough Rise with Brian Doe. You can also visit MakeTheDoughRise.com to listen to recent episodes. If you'd like to contact the show or schedule a complimentary financial review with Brian and the team, just go to MakeTheDoughRise.com and get in touch through the website. Or call 706-451-9800. Thanks for listening to Make the Dough Rise. Investment advisory services offered through Main Street Financial Solutions, LLC. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed.